good to be with you all here today in Morinville as uh, Pastor Greg was speaking at a camp for 10 days. So he had 10 sermons to preach. And so uh, he'll be back tomorrow, I believe, and then you'll probably see him next Sunday preaching. So in the meantime, I get to be here with you, and that's good, and I hope for you anyway. It's good for me to be here. Um, I enjoy coming to Morinville. So um, really interesting that uh, Amy picked those songs today. Amy would probably had no idea what I was going to be preaching on today and what I was going to be talking about, but just really interesting some of the words we sang this morning to the song and then for Kathy to get up and share what she shared. It, it, it makes sense to me now because this week I had a really hard week trying to come up with a sermon. I really did. Like I struggled. Rick, I think it was what, Tuesday or Wednesday, Rick came into the office. I was like, man, I'm just struggling. I, I've got this direction I'm trying to go, which I think God was saying, you know, and it's just not working. And uh, I wonder if God's saying something else. And so it took me a little while because I got a bit of a thick head uh, to figure out what God was actually trying to say. And, uh, but the thing was, the scripture I was really meditating on for some time wouldn't change. So I was like, God, is this something else that you're wanting to say to your people today um, for you to get the glory? And I think it has to do with some of what we were singing today and what Kathy shared. And so now it gives me a little more confidence because I was a little bit like, oh my goodness, I don't know what you're trying to do, God. And now it's all working out. So that is good news. But how many of you know that one of Satan's biggest tactics is fear, right? And we use fear. And often I think of fear in terms of being really scared of something. Um, But I want to look at fear a little bit deeper than just simply being scared of something. Um, Because the Bible tells us lots of things like perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? Christ's perfect love casts out all fear from our lives. And Jesus says cool things like, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Fear not, little flock, because God actually takes delight in you and takes not only delight in you, but takes delight in giving you all that you need on this earth to live a set-apart life for Him and to experience the fullness of the kingdom. God says, don't fear. So I want to look at that a little bit today and try and understand what it kind of looks like for us. And I'm coming to this part of Scripture in the book of John, and that's where we're going to read today. And this is the Scripture that I was meditating on this week. And I had this really cool sermon, I thought anyway, that I was going to go toward, but I couldn't figure it out. And it had to do with, uh, in John chapter 17, Jesus prays this incredible prayer to the Father on behalf of the disciples. And it's to do with, Father, glorify me as they are in me and I am in you. And Jesus begins to talk about how we belong in community with the Trinity of God. And all, not only that, he goes on to say, God, Jesus, Father, as, as you sent me, I'm going to send them out into the world, not to be of the world, but to be set apart from the world. And then we come to this scripture in John chapter 20, where Jesus appears to the disciples, and that's what we're going to read today. And so my sermon was going to look like, you have a mission, you have a purpose, you're going to be set apart from the world. But the idea of fear kept on coming up. So we're going to unpack this scripture a little bit together today. So can I pray? Because I think I need it, and you probably need it to understand what I'm talking about. So we should probably ask the Holy Spirit to come, don't you think? Yes? Are we all the, all, all, the, all the suckers that couldn't afford camping this weekend? Is that kind of what's going on today? We're in church. It's going to be a good day. Don't worry. You'll be glad you didn't go camping today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come and bring peace to our heart? And also, Holy Spirit, I know that I'll try my best to use the words that are required, but 
It's your Holy Spirit, God, that does the work anyway. So you're going to show us the things that you need to show us so that we might um, yeah, live set apart for you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of this week, fully in tune to your purposes and your kingdom. So bless us today as we unpack this scripture in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. We're going to turn to John chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles, you can do that. And if you didn't bring your Bible, it'll be up on the screen, I'm sure. But we're going to go to John chapter 20. And it's this really cool part of Scripture. It's actually one of my favorites um, because it, there's so much jam-packed into this tiny little paragraph. And there's so much that has been said before this moment and so much that happens after this moment that this chunk of Scripture finds itself anchored in a great context of what God is doing. And I love it. Um, and it comes at this moment where the disciples... Um, had put so much of their hope in this Messiah, this Jesus character, who had come to the earth, and they had a picture of what Messiah was going to do, right? So there was lots of prophecies about Messiah was going to establish an everlasting uh, Israel kingdom. He was going to get rid of all of the Roman Empire. This was their belief that they were going to remove all of the enemies, establish this Jewish kingdom and expel the enemy. And we see this because John and James, two of the disciples, were arguing a bit about, hey man, like, are we going to get to sit next to this guy on the throne? Are we going to be get to get the greatest, uh, be the greatest alongside this Messiah who's going to rule this earth? And uh, Jesus demonstrate, trying to demonstrate to them time and time again, it's not what you think it is. He's trying to get into the head that this, this kingdom doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like. And we come to this moment here where we're going to read where Jesus has been crucified. Not only crucified, he was betrayed by one of their friends. And so there would have been so many feelings of disenchantment, disillusionment, frustration, all kinds of emotions, I'm sure, as they sat together after the fact that they had put their whole investment in this picture of God and then it didn't happen. And we come to our scripture and we see that they've gone and they've locked themselves in a room. They're going to lock themselves in a room because now they're worried about what's going to happen to them. So why don't you turn with me and let's read this. John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So that's our scripture today. There's a lot jam-packed in there. And I want us to understand something today, that the enemy wants you to be gripped by fear. He does not want you to be functional for God's purposes in this world and he'll do whatever he can to get you to lock yourself in that room and hide away from what God wants you to do. So we're going to look at that a little bit right now. We're going to understand what's taking place here and hopefully encourage us a little bit today. So the first part of the scripture says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. These guys had a pretty genuine fear, wouldn't you agree? They had just seen their Messiah, this guy that they had been following, executed, killed on the cross. And now they're thinking, boy, we're next. This is not good. So they lock themselves in a room to try and stay away from the ramifications of that. 
And so they're hiding in this little room, scared. And I can almost imagine them sort of sitting around a boardroom, the table, scratching their heads, trying to wrestle. Oh, that Judas guy, I can't believe he did this. Man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now that Jesus has died? Where are we going to go? How are we going to figure this out, boys? What's this going to look like? Can you imagine them sitting in the room? The doors are locked, peeking through the curtain, wondering if anyone's going to come. These guys had a genuine concern and a fear of what was going on. Their response to this situation, this overwhelming circumstance, this reality that was around them was to lock themselves in a room. You ever done that before? Maybe not physically and gone and locked yourself in a room. Maybe you have had a few tantrums in your life where you slam the door and lock it and cross your arms. Not coming out. But have you ever had those moments, those seasons in your life where you kind of disconnect? You ever disconnected from God, from your purpose? Ever disconnected from the life of the church? Have you ever just stepped away because circumstances are taking place and things feel a little heavy and you begin to get worried about how you're going to cope, how you're going to deal, what you're going to do? Have you ever done that before or is it just me? You've stepped away. Maybe you're in it right now. Maybe there's a sense of heaviness on your life right now. Summer's a funny time, isn't it? We look so forward to summer being this life and this awesome time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find summer a little heavier because there's so much you're trying to do. There's so many things going on, whatever season. But there's times sometimes in my life where I know where you feel like you just feel heavy and maybe you don't even know why, but you're disconnected. Life can take you by surprise sometimes, doesn't it? Think about the disciples. They were traveling along with Jesus and all of a sudden they're finding themselves in this moment gripped by fear with the doors locked because they were, uh, had this picture of what God was going to do and it didn't come through. For them, it was a fear of what was going to happen in the moment. But I want to tell you something today, guys. Their response to this circumstance was void of God. Did you catch that? The disciples' response to this tangible fear, this circumstance, this situation, their response to it was void of God and God's power. Would you agree with that? How I can say that is because they were locking the doors and trying to figure out what to do, and it was void of God. Because stress comes and you feel like you don't have the internal ability to manage the external circumstances. Have you ever felt stressed before? You ever felt stressed out? Boy, I'm stressed out. There is so much demand on the outside that internally I don't know if I can deal with what's going on. How many of you know that's exactly what's taking place here? These guys were following Jesus all was well and all of a sudden they find themselves after the fact locked in a room doing nothing because they were genuinely scared that they were going to die. Their response to life was void of God's power. How many of you know that's what stress looks like for us? Stress is us looking at the world and seeing the circumstances, the heaviness, the reality of our life and sitting in a locked room trying to figure out how am I going to do this? So often our stress and our responses to the world are void of God. And that's exactly what's taking place here. 
I don't know about you, but when I try and deal with the world void of God and it becomes about me trying to figure it out, I get stressed, I get anxious, I feel heavy, I feel disappointed at people, I feel disappointed at God. Is it just me or do you understand what I'm saying today? Because stress feels real, doesn't it? But the problem with that transaction there is it's about you not being able to cope with the world around you, which nullifies God's power in the moment, doesn't it? Fear takes place. For me, I feel stressed out lots, but I have to look at my life and realize that it's often because I'm not in tune with the Holy Spirit and I'm not in step with God when I get really stressed. I feel like I can control and manage life in my own strength. And when these things come, we have an absence of peace. I want to talk about fear for a minute because I've always thought about fear being a response out of uh, feeling scared for what's going on. But the Greek word for fear comes from the word uh, phebomai, which is phobos. Have you ever heard of phobia before? Phobos is where we get that word phobia. And it actually was used to mean withdrawing or fleeing because of feeling inadequate. Have you ever felt inadequate in your life before? Have you ever felt like you are not adequate in your relationship with your spouse, adequate in your job, adequate as a Christian, adequate as a human being? The word fear is more than just being scared. It is rooted in an idea of withdrawing because you don't feel like you can manage or cope. You feel inadequate. The word inadequate means insufficient for a purpose. The word fear is used positively in the Bible sometimes to talk about a relationship with God and honoring God, but more often it's negatively used to withdraw from God. Fundamentally, it means to withdraw, to separate from, flee, to remove oneself, and hence to avoid because of dread. Fear is more than just, I'm scared of uh, spiders in Australia, right? It's more than just having a fear about something. That is probably true as well. You can. But fear is so much more to do with withdrawing from your purpose because you feel so inadequate to cope with the demands that are being asked of you. Can you identify that? I actually remember in grade 11, um, I had to do a test, my end of year exam. And uh, I sat down and I looked at the exam and I was just like, I'm totally inadequate. I actually left and I never passed grade 11, never went back to school because I had this message that I was stupid and dumb and couldn't do it and that actually directed my perceived ability. So when I sat my grade 11 exam, I looked at the exam and I sat there and I actually got up and left and I never went back to school because fear was more than just being scared. It was that I'm going to withdraw because I can't cope with this situation inadequacy. We run, we hide, we feel inadequate. So when we're facing circumstances without the reality of who God is and who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, fear is the result. Fear is the result of looking at life without Jesus as the center. So our inadequacy is our inadequacies create walls to protect us from the outside world. You ever built up walls in your life? Walls in your your spiritual life? Walls in your marriage? Walls in your singlehood? Whatever it looks like. We lock the doors, we hide away, we withdraw from God, from church, relationships. 
We flee from our calling and our purpose, what we know we should be doing because we get stressed out, life's demands are too heavy and we begin to respond to the world void of God. Tim Keller says, the peace of God is not the absence of fear. It is, in fact, in his presence. Fear comes with the absence of God's peace. And we're going to look at today really quickly that God's peace is his presence. But I want to tell us something today, church. God is actually invested in your life. God is invested in you succeeding. God has gone to extreme lengths to reveal himself to you so that you do not need to live a life of inadequacy, a life of fear gripped by trying to cope yourself. And this is what I love about the next part of our scripture. Jesus came and stood among them and said, everyone say it. What did he say? You can all say it. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. How many of you know our God can walk through walls? Our God can walk through the walls of your inadequacy. He can walk through the walls of your fear where you feel like you can disconnect and lock the doors and withdraw. It doesn't remove God from the picture. He will walk through the walls of what you build up to stand alongside of you. He shows them his hands inside and he says, guys, I speak peace to you. And I think that not only he says peace be with you as in like a, a salutation or some kind of greeting which was common, it's almost like he's saying peace is with you. Peace is in the room that you've locked. Peace is right there next to you. They felt like they couldn't manage. They locked the doors, closed the blinds and Jesus walks right through the walls casually. Just casually cruises through the walls. Pretty Terminator-esque, isn't it? through the walls peace be with you he shows up in their situation he shows up in the grip of fear he shows up in the moment of their withdrawing and he says i'm here peace he's the bringer of peace the bible tells us a few things that jesus is ever present in our time of need the bible says that jesus will never leave you or forsake you quick note on forsake. You want to know what forsake means? It means that when you feel like you can't love or do any more for God because of how you feel, God still loves you. When you feel so gripped and overwhelmed and you're laying on your deathbed of sickness or if you're in your moment of depression or you feel like I can't do anything for God, God's promise of never forsaking you means he will never leave you and he will not love you any less. That's the promise of God. He's motivated by love and mercy and compassion. But what I love about this moment is I could imagine the disciples looking at this kind of figure of how did he get in here? But it wasn't until Jesus held up his hands and showed, him his, showed them his side that all of a sudden the entire atmosphere of that room where the doors were locked and fear was gripping them, their inadequacy to respond, Jesus shows them his hands and his side. I think that's a significant moment, don't you? Not only is he showing, hey, it's actually me, boys. He's saying, look what I did to the power of sin and death. Sin and death has no power anymore, church. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for fun. It was so that the power of sin and death over your life would be broken. And Jesus comes into their place of fear where they've withdrawn. And he says, I've conquered the grave. I'm here. 
you can have peace. Because where you feel inadequate and you feel like you can't go on, I'm telling you, I've overcome the grave. I've overcome on the cross. Remember, the disciples had a wrong picture of God. So they're sitting in the room worried, thinking, okay, we put all our money on that horse. He didn't win. What are we going to do? And Jesus saying, no, I actually did win. Look what I've done. And you know what Jesus does? He moves them out of a place of fear and he moves them into a place of joy. After this, he said, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And what was the disciples' response? They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed when they had a vision of Jesus Christ in the midst of their trial, in the midst of their fear. What a shift in two sentences, amen? From a place of fear and worry and darkness and heaviness, one sentence later, Jesus is standing there alongside of them saying, look what I've done, look what I've won. And all of a sudden, that revelation of Jesus in the midst of my life brought them great joy. The Bible says they were overjoyed. That's exactly what God's presence does, isn't it? When God's presence, which is his peace, comes into that place and you have a revelation of Jesus Christ in the midst of your trial, in the midst of that locked room, how many of you know it brings joy? The Bible says the kingdom of God is joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. You want to know what's really funny about this? Nothing changed. Did the Jews still want to kill them? Probably. Did everything outside of the room all of a sudden shift? Probably not. It was purely that in the midst of that circumstance, a vision of God changed their perspective from one of fear and withdrawing to one of absolute overwhelming joy because Christ was with them. Nothing else changed other than a revelation of Jesus. See, so often we wish that God would change our circumstances and change, you know, we don't want Goliath standing in front of us. We don't want these things. But what Jesus does is he comes and stands alongside you and says, Oi, remember? That wasn't fun and games. That's the thing that we're actually banking our faith on right there. That Jesus is who he said he is and he rose from the dead. And because of in that resurrection, he conquered the power of sin and death, which means that we can have life. This is the revelation they got. That's right. You did it. Yes. We don't need to worry anymore because God is with us. Didn't we sing that this morning? God with us, God for us. What can come against us? We sing, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. That's what Jesus did. He came through the walls of that room where they were trying to withdraw and lock everything out. And God just shows up and says, peace, peace in this moment, peace right now. I will shut fear up. You are too valuable. And remember, it's not just about being scared. It's withdrawing from your purpose. God's actually invested in you, fulfilling what he has for you, your unique mission on this earth. I love what the psalmist writes when he says, Hear, O Lord, be gracious and show favor to me, O Lord, my helper. You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've taken off sackcloth and clothed me with joy. My soul will sing praise to you and will not be silent. O my Lord, I will give thanks to you forever. When we see Jesus, amen, we see the overwhelming power of Jesus, 
We are filled with joy. Don't you want some joy again? Don't you want some joy in the midst of your heaviness? Don't you wish that you could just experience that peace, that righteousness, that joy, and to stop sitting in that room with the doors locked, to go and do what God's called you to do, to respond to his mission on this earth and find meaning and purpose? Stop asking for God to just simply shift your circumstances. Pray that you'll have a revelation of him and his power in the midst of it. Pray that you'll shift from worrying and feeling stressed out because you can't manage and see a vision of what Jesus did, the conquering, overcoming reality of what he did on the cross and the fullness of his power in the midst of your locked room. I also love the joy that Peter, you guys remember the story of Peter on the boat, he went fishing He's like, I'm going fishing. He's on the boat fishing, not catching a thing, frustrated. And then Jesus comes, says, oh, do it on the other side. And he does it, catches a bunch. And then they're like, oh, it's Jesus. And Peter just takes it off and jumps in the water. And I like that one because it always reminds me of Forrest Gump. Remember the movie Forrest Gump? Lieutenant Dan, remember? And he just runs off the pier and the boat just keeps going. That's Peter. See, when you see Jesus... When you have a revelation of Jesus, you go from that frustration, toil, laborious life to jumping in the water. Who cares what anyone thinks? And you run to the shoreline to be with your Lord. That's what Peter does. It brings joy. Amen? It doesn't just stop there, church, because God is actually invested in you. He's gone to extreme lengths to win you back. My last point here on our scripture is it's time to leave the room and it's time to get on the elevator. It's time to go. See, God, Jesus had a mission for the disciples that was unique. He prayed it in the priestly prayer in John 17. He said, God, Father, we're gonna set these guys apart. They're gonna be my church. They're gonna be my people that are set apart from the world. And as I was sent, I'm sending them. And this is exactly what happens. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father is sent, I'm sending you. And with this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He's moved them from a place of being withdrawn, locked in a room to a place of now go and live the life. And not only that, I'm gonna fill you with my power. And what I love about this is when was the first time we see God breathe on man? In creation. What sets man apart from all other creation is that in Genesis 2, it says that he formed man and then he breathed his breath into man's nostrils. And the word says, and man came alive. Man came alive. What makes us alive, church? It's the spirit of God. The same word in Greek that's used for spirit and breath and wind, it's all the same, pneuma. It's where we get the word pneumatic. It's this breath, it's this spirit, this power of God himself being breathed into you to cause you to be alive. These guys were dead and gripped in fear, withdrawn, and Jesus comes alongside of them and he breathes on them. And what Jesus had just done was he conquered death, he conquered sin, the very thing that causes death in our life, and he restores it with his eternal life. That's what he does. He breathes on them and he promises them the power of God's resurrected spirit that makes you alive again. He breathes on his disciples and he says, as as I was sent, now it's your turn. Get out of this room of fear. Stop withdrawing and get on with it because I got great things for you to do and I'm not gonna send you alone. You're gonna have my power with you. 
going to give you the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says that you're the handiwork of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for you. God is invested in your life. The Bible says you are a new creation. You were created new in Christ with his resurrected breath. Remember Paul's words to Timothy, I have, God has given you a spirit, not of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. God is generous. He doesn't want you locked away, withdrawn, because you're covered in fear. God wants to breathe his breath of life into you again, and he wants to send you out to do the work he's called you to do. To not be so overwhelmed with fear and stress and anxiety, but to go and do what he's done. Psalm 139 says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will take hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light bring me night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Where shall we go from God's spirit? Church, we have a God that can walk through walls. We have a God who knows everything. We have a God who is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. Even when you think you're creating walls and trying to protect yourself, God walks right through and he's right there. And the word says he will not forsake you, which means that when you feel so overwhelmed with heaviness, he's like, I'm still loving you no matter what. But God's intention is that he wants to breathe his life back on your life today to get you back to where you need to go. God is knocking on the heart right now of your life. And he's saying, wanting to remind you that it's time to get on the elevator. It doesn't mean that you have to come be a preacher tomorrow. What it means is where you're at right now, whatever it looks like right now, God wants to breathe life. God wants to breathe his spirit on your life to give you the power to go and deal with what you need to deal with, knowing that he is with you. So we're gonna take communion right now and pray. Is that all right? I might just bring it to a close there. We're gonna take communion. And right now we're going to praise this. Someone who's coming up to play keys or something like that, just give us a little bit of tunes. That'll be awesome. So I want to pray. I want to just take a moment right now as we take communion together to prepare ourselves to see Jesus. The point of my message today, church, was this. Without a revelation of Jesus and what he's done, you're hooped. <laughs> it's hard to do life. It really is. Because the things that we set our vision on become the things that consume us. But when we have a vision of Jesus in the midst of the room and we recognize who he is and we have that revelation, things change. Things change for us. So as we take communion today, my prayer is that you'll get a revelation of Jesus Christ today. So we're going to pray right now. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to invite you to come up. There's gluten-free up here if you're into that. You're going to take the cup and the bread, return to your seat. Let's take communion together. So we're going to take communion together this morning, all right? So come up when you're ready. But what I want you to do is prepare your heart before the Lord. Don't just come and get a free drink and a bit of bread. Communion is our invitation to communion with God and one another. And so leave your burdens behind. If you're in fear, which doesn't just mean you're scared of something, but if you're in a place where you know you've withdrawn from God, be honest with Him today. You're chasing after other things. Other things have gotten in the way and you've lost sight of God, don't worry about where you're at right now. Just see Jesus, 
leave it, at the, leave it there at the foot of the cross and come in an attitude of worship to take communion, to receive a revelation of Jesus again. Because He's so good. He died for us. And we take this in remembrance of that. But I'm going to finish here before I pray with this. It was really interesting that when Jesus actually, um, before he revealed himself to the disciples, he rose from the tomb and he was walking along the road behind these two disciples in Luke and uh, in the book of Luke. And these two disciples were discussing what had happened. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't any of the 12, it was these two other guys. And they're walking along talking about this thing and Jesus plays dumb a little bit and he kind of comes alongside. He's like, oh, what are you talking about, right? And like, haven't you heard? Have you been hiding under a rock? Like they killed the prophet. And now his body's missing. And this is crazy story, right? And Jesus is like, oh, okay, cool. And so they invite him in to eat. And this is what happens. Luke says that when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They got a revelation at the communion table. Because sometimes I forget the hands inside of Jesus. I worry about Matty Coppin, self-preservation and what's going on very me-centric. The thing about communion is it's our opportunity again to see Jesus' hands inside, take a deep breath and say, God, I need your life. Breathe in me again. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you have overcome. Thank you that you say words like, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. My peace. So invite God's peace into your heart right now. Let's close our eyes and pray as you prepare your heart to come up. But I want to give an invitation for those of you here today who've never actually uh, encountered the breath of God in your life and you're sick of death. You sick of death? You sick of fear today? Are you sick of being so gripped by the things of this world? It tastes like dirt to you now. You've lived that life. You've lived in death. Fear looks like you just struggling, hiding in rooms. How many of you know that Jesus has walked through that right now today to be alongside of you and he's inviting you to come and minister to you and invite you to communion today. He's inviting you to become a part of his body. And if that's you today, I don't need to put words in your mouth. You just already know in your heart that God is calling you home. If that's you today, with everyone's eyes closed, you just raise your hands to God this morning. Receive his Holy Spirit. Receive that breath of life. It's time to start living and stop dying. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Great. Thanks for your hands. Anyone else today that's just saying, I feel my heart pounding and it's time to give my life over to God, to allow Jesus to come and be at work in me. If that's you today, just reach out to God and say yes. Amen. Thank you for your hand. Hallelujah. It's a great moment when you come to a recognition that you cannot be in charge of your life anymore. God wants to come be your Lord and and, uh, help you journey to breathe his resurrected life into you hallelujah yep, thanks for your hand awesome it's a great decision be proud of it don't don't shy say yes to god you're saying yes to the god of the universe <laughs> it's a pretty big god he's now your best mate he's now going to come and help you on this journey of life not that you would be perfect but that you would be perfected in him because jesus is perfect so you can rest in him today. Hallelujah. Yeah, awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we give you glory today because the room was heavy at one point and today we come and we step into joy because Lord, we look back on our life and we recognize that God, there was a time where we tried to do it alone. We tried to do it without you, but the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. 
death in our life, death in our relationships, death, death, death. But thank you, Jesus, that you are the free gift. You give us the free gift of eternal life, which means that you came and you conquered the grave, you conquered death, which means we can have newness of life today. So for all those that raise their hands, why don't you just say this with me? And everyone in the church, why don't you say this prayer with me as we just welcome Jesus into our heart, welcome him into our life, welcome his breath. So say this prayer with me today. Dear Lord Jesus, we invite your resurrected breath of life to come and make us alive again. Forgive me of my sins today for the times where I tried to do it alone. But I give you control. You are my Lord. Breathe your life into me today. Help me to come alive again. Speak peace into fear. And help us to know your presence today. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you first loved us. In Jesus' name, just stay there. And uh, when you're ready, if you've just welcomed Jesus into your heart today, you've just invited, just you've been invited into communion with God, fellowship with the Trinity. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you can come and take communion today with us. And it symbolizes his body and his blood. And we take it in remembrance of him. So just take time. If you need to prepare your heart, but if you're ready, come on up, take the communion cup and bread and return to your seat and we'll take it together.